Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. the center of the galaxy this is the four center podcast feed and this particular episode of the four center podcast feed is the clone wars report 
Oh, wow. That is great. That is like some old-time uh, silent comedy music uh, from the Clone Wars <laughs> report. Normally it's uh, drums or horns, but this time uh, we've got like Little Rascals music. It's a it's a Terrace New Bay kind of day here. We got old Tommy Pian. <laughs> oh boy, two of my favorite words in Star Wars: Terra and Sanube. Very excited to dive into this one. That's the episode we're discussing. It's season two, episode eleven. It is entitled "Lightsaber Lost." is It is written by Drew Z. Greenberg and directed by Giancarlo Volpe. Uh, very excited to dive into this one. Ken, are you ready for the summary? I am ready, and I'll tell you right now, you know as a good broadcaster, Jennifer knows too, and I know. Sometimes you just got to get out of the way. In this episode, I got to get out of the way of your heart. (laughs) No, 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 no. Come into my heart. That's a little bit weird. Anyway, you know what I mean. Uh, Share my love of Terrace and Ube, please. please. Uh, Here we go. Summary of Lightsaber Lost. Lightsabers! They're hard to hold on to. Jedi Padawan Ahsoka Tano learns this the hard way when she goes on a mission with her master, Anakin Skywalker, to bust an arms dealer in the criminal underworld of Coruscant. While waiting outside a club, a pickpocket snatches Ahsoka's Jedi weapon. Too embarrassed to tell Anakin, Ahsoka confides in Jocasta Nu, who introduces her to an elder Jedi who is an expert on the Coruscant crime world and napping in public spaces. His name is Terra Sanube. Together... Young, eager Ahsoka and old, wise Terra embark on a detective adventure through the shadowy underbelly of Coruscant, featuring sketchy Quarrens, an Italian-sounding fish guy, and two deadly femme fatales. It is a thrilling adventure of rooftop chases, Palpatine propaganda, and the moral responsibility of owning a lightsaber. Ultimately, Terra Sanube uses kindness and a hidden saber cane to help Ahsoka recover her blade and learn an important lesson about patience. The end. Wow. That's that's wonderful. <laughs> Again, framed. Framed art piece. Thank you, you very much. I, I appreciate your support in, uh, in my enjoyment of uh, reading and writing these summaries. But I want to get into the episode. Uh, I know I, I bang on about this one uh, a lot. It's one of the ones I was really excited to, to get into our rewatch. But I'm super excited to hear your overall reaction. Sure. Did you like this one? Did you struggle with it? Did you love it more than you used to? What was your reaction? I think I appreciate it more than I used to, but I've always kind of loved this one. And I think now all these years of broadcasting with you here in Force Center, like, yeah, absolutely, your love of Terrace and Ube can become a fun Force Center bingo joke, but <laughs> it's it's palpable and it's real. And so I just... I, I like this character a lot, and 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 to get to spend time with him now, it, it was it was really um, rewarding. I think this is a just a great episode. It's got the you know obviously these strong Kurosawa connections, which is so key to Star Wars at times, uh, a noir style to me, and I, I I just love spending time in Coruscant. I I just love going down there and and seeing just kind of the real world things in a Star Wars way, uh, and I think that's uh, an underrated uh, part of this episode for me that that I just really enjoy him. Yeah, Terra Sanube for the win. Yeah, you just said a lot of words I like <laughs> and agree with. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I really love this episode. Uh, part of it is, like you're, you're saying, you know, when uh, we and, and other broadcasters and I think, you know, other people who are all in on Star Wars uh, have a favorite character, it, it can become kind of like this, uh, a fun jokey thing or a bingo card, you know, um, but... And there is that element to Terrace Anube, but I just really love spending time with an older 
character. Uh, mm-hmm. Even when I was really young, I was I gravitated towards the old characters. I think uh, it's partially because they, uh, and I mean, older characters in all sorts of different media. I think it's yep. that this picture of older characters where they not only have the wisdom, but they are freed from some of the anxieties about being seen a certain way that people have certainly a ton when they're young and then all through their their life so i think when i was young i was just like i like old characters because they're always weird (laughs) you know it's even uh, you know i think track through our discussions of star wars when you know we have a lot of fun describing uh, you know some of the cast of the first season of mandalorian as grizzled weirdos you know it's that feeling of the older people are wise and they can just be who they are are and that Tara Sanube has that in spades you know yeah and this in in Star Wars canon was one of the first times that we got to spend time with an elder Jedi and just the idea that there's an elder Jedi who uh might still be productive or might just say uh screw it I'm taking a nap in the library (laughs) you know it fleshes out the world you know it is one of the many parts of the Clone Wars where uh the promise of the premise of the prequels is fulfilled you know when the prequels are coming out it's like it's not just luke skywalker and yoda and obi-wan we're gonna meet all sorts of different jedi and learn all about them and every time that the sort of society of the jedi is fleshed out it's really rewarding because i think for me it's one of the things i was always excited about in this era and Terra nubia really does that uh, you, you said words that I just I can't improve upon, um, but uh, I, I am connecting to this idea. It's it might be also like uh, well, I've always loved uh, old crusty rockers with acoustic guitars looking back at their life, <laughs> just even since I was a kid, and I've grown into that. Uh, yeah, there's something to it, and, and, and it's not just a simply an age thing, but there's there's some freedom in kind of uh, becoming who you are. And I, I remember um, when I was in my 20s, one of my old bosses at the time, he was about 43, which I'm older than now by a bit. And I remember he was just telling me, he goes, let me tell you something, Ken. I go, I, I'm only four years into this decade. The 40s have been the best decade of my life because I just know myself in a way I never have. And that never left me. And I was always afraid. 40s of number I was afraid of and a lot of anxiety over. And then once you get there, it is just a number too. But, uh, and that's a lot of this episode for me is terrifying to be, um, is just so in tune with who he is and uh, as part of the theme. But anyways, uh, not to get into real life. <laughs> age, <laughs> and I love youth too. And I love the next generation and I love passing stuff on, which is part of that episode too. Part of this episode too. So yeah. Yeah. I think that's another reason that I overall love it. If it, I would love this episode, if Terrace Nube was just a, a fun side character, but this episode is so much about age and youth. Right. And I love that it examines it from you know philosophical ways that you were talking about that we're going to talk about more uh i i feel like it is an actual uh fist pumping moment of justice for the elderly <laughs> like mm-hmm. uh, hey you know this is an episode that says almost like why don't you call your grandparents mm-hmm. <laughs> why don't you show them some respect yeah. uh but it also absolutely mines the comedy out of young equals fast old equals slow like it mm-hmm. it doesn't shy away from having fun with that truth either um and then kind of last big thing for me that you mentioned, Noir, I really love that there's often that aesthetic to Coruscant when we go into the lower levels. But this one was also just structured uh, very much like a uh, detective yarn, uh, in particular uh, Raymond Chandler's uh, Philip Marlowe novels. It really has that vibe of I go from this 
you know, a low life and maybe not really a low life. Maybe they're just somebody who's down on their luck and I find out what they need so they can tell me uh, where I need to go next. So I can, you know, uh, just pull apart this web of deceit and the actual, you know, Raymond Chandler, Philip Marlowe novels are really complex. Uh, but this one does follow that structure of they're down in the shadows, they're meeting contacts, uh, there's surprise deaths, uh, there are femme fatales, Ioni Marcy in particular, who plays the innocent. It's all very specifically noir, but to me, because I'm a big fan of those books of Raymond Chandler, Philip Marlowe mm-hmm. stuff, so I really love that. It pops. It it pops. It it just um, it's just a fun episode. It really is with with so much depth. This is why and this is why we're having so much fun in Columbus Report. Just finding all sides of all those kind of episodes. All these kind of episodes. Yeah, yeah. So let's dive into the yeah. moral. <laughs> the yeah. moral of this episode is easy isn't always simple. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's true of discussing this moral. What <laughs> what do you yeah. make out of easy isn't always simple? I, uh, I love kind of admitting uh, my little uh, mistakes and foibles along the way and, and, and you know, always uh, watch an episode uh, once, maybe while on a treadmill or something like that. And then I come back with a little notepad or whatever and talk about it so you and I can dive in deep and have a lot of fun. I'm having just a ton of fun doing that because sometimes it just jumps out you. Everything that's there and every line and every scene. And this one, I thought I was like, oh, this is e- easy. It's, I got this one. And then I kind of confused myself. <laughs> I kind of went in this direction of easy isn't always simple, meaning if you take the easy uh, route, um, it's going to create some problems for you. I think even in the opening, Tom Kane is doing the uh, um, the VO and talk about uh, war creating opportunities for the criminal underworld. Uh, and I consider that maybe uh, that's kind of the criminal underworld take an easy pass and that might lead to troubles for themselves and, and troubles for others there. And I started going down that path and that's not, not necessarily that's wrong, but then also it, it it just it all vanished. I was I, and I watched the episode a third time, and I was like, no, no, no. Here's what we got. I think Terrace and Ube made all of this look so easy. All of this looks so easy, but it wasn't. It's decades of experience, decades of mastering his skills, emotions, and craft, and leading to kind of what you and I were talking up um, up top about knowing yourself and having the faith to trust it all. It just takes that, and it's so easy. Yeah, it's just, it looks easy from the outside. Yeah, th- I love that take. Uh, this is definitely one of those morals that made me do a little double take. I was like, yeah, no, that sounds wise. Wait, <laughs> is that yeah. is that wise? Uh, yeah, but it, I think that general idea absolutely shines through, and I love that you're really connecting it to Tara Sinube's specific actions. Uh, it, for me, I, I almost take it as, you know, um, the the what looks like a straight line to someone else might have might be a you know a really curvy line and you're just not yeah. perceiving it that way you know uh that it that mm-hmm. looks yeah what terrace new is it is accomplishing uh looks easy uh but it is not as simple as it as you perceive it to be yeah he has that great line but moving slowly one can always see clearly the way ahead and uh, and i think that's uh, we'll, we'll probably address that a few times here but uh, that's part of what's going on here to me Absolutely. Uh, Terrace Nube really does. There's there's obviously the the stated moral here, uh, mm. but Terrace Nube is a, an elder character who fulfills uh, that classic position of he is old enough to really consider his words. So almost every one of them is a little like, here's a drop of wisdom for you. Yeah. Here's a moral that you could write down and consider, Ahsoka, or not. 
you choose your path. Uh, so let's get into it then. Let's get into the big ideas at stake in this episode. Uh, you were, were telling me off air, you've been uh, hinting at it here, that you went on a, a journey discovering what you think is the heart of this episode. So I would love to hear it. Um, yeah, so I, I, I started going, like I said, that path of, uh, not that I, this wasn't necessarily a criminal underworld uh, thing, though it's 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 great, and I love that Snoobay, by the way, is just an expert of it and, and just has that knowledge, and, and he's just kind of sitting there, and you mentioned, like, to call your grandparents, and look, I I, I, I would love for older generations to to do sometimes maybe a better do- a job of adapting with changing ways and methods, and, and I think we all can run up against that, you know, just any phone call from mom right now is part of that, um, but I also think, don't, 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 uh, don't forget that, uh, you know, that, that it's like Elvis Costello's song Veronica. <laughs> There's an entire history, entire um, collection of experiences there, and Sunube represents that as well. So all of this kind of I, I started from there, and how this to me was um, uh, the lesson of patience, research, knowledge, and precision being placed up against rash de- decisions, premature conclusions, panic fueled guilt, and maybe anxiety driving your actions. And then I stopped again, Joseph. I just stopped, and I just I boiled it down to. There's a lot of things, but I boiled it down to complete awareness is a big theme. <laughs> complete awareness. I quieted my mind. I think I was trying too hard. Not that, again, I haven't touched on anything that maybe I feel is there, but that's where I ended up. A complete awareness, a big theme. What's at stake is just a more effective way of solving your problems, which can factor into big things and small things in the Star Wars story in our lives. Yeah, that's great. I love uh, phrasing it as complete awareness. I think that's a great umbrella for everything else going on in this episode because uh, there is the kind of straightforward plot mechanics, right, of mm-hmm. uh, Ahsoka is not seeing the big picture and Terrace Nube is taking that patient step back and looking at it you know, from above to figure out the big picture. So he can get literally both uh, philosophically and literally from point A to point B in the direct, you know, quote unquote, easy way. Um, But there is also, you know, so there's all like situational awareness, there's emotional awareness, there's wisdom, information awareness. But there's also just a lot of I think what makes this a little bit of, uh, you know, justice for the elderly is there's lots of just great straightforward moments of Ahsoka not being completely aware of who Sanube is of Mm. seeing these outward, like he's napping and he's supposed to be this great guy. Who's going to help me. He's slow. That's a problem, not possibly Mm. a benefit. Like, and uh, here he is helping me get my lightsaber back. He doesn't even have a lightsaber. Like she doesn't articulate that. But I think we, as the audience have that, like, okay, well he's, you must, he's not a fighter anymore. Right. So it's, that lightsaber reveal, that saber cane reveal, I think really also goes to this mm. great idea that you're talking about of complete awareness of this picture of Terrace Nube is old, slow, not super valuable uh, to Ahsoka, to her, her current anxiety, her current problem. Yeah. And she's compassionate and, and respectful and all that. Um, but he is so much more than she initially sees. Mm that she is Ooh. she is not completely aware of him at the beginning and by the end she is completely aware of him yeah love that yeah it builds wonderful wonderfully to that that lightsaber reveal well said yeah uh yeah i think completely aware is that uh, is well said well said on you my friend um <laughs> yeah i think the thing that i really uh enjoyed this episode taken or this viewing of this episode taking a closer look at it because i think i've always really focused on the 
Tara Sanube side of it of, you know, respect people, respect older people. They have the benefit of wisdom and sometimes being slower and and looking around to figure out how everything connects is actually the faster way to th- get things done. Ultimately, it's a little bit of a, you know, tortoise in the hare kind of story. Um, but what I hadn't focused on before is how what a good job the episode does of making that effective because the contrast of what Ahsoka is going through. Mm-hmm. So I was really seeing it this time around is the the wisdom of age versus just the angst and turmoil of youth. Mm. <laughs> you know, on the surface, it is it is very much about, you know, uh, fast versus slow. But uh, I love that everything that's happening with Ahsoka, this is a growing episode for her. Yeah. Uh, this is, you know, one of the earlier episodes that's, you know, Anakin's in it for a beat, Yoda's in it for a beat, but this is truly Ahsoka's adventure, you know, with yeah. a new character. Uh, so throughout it, Ahsoka is really acting out of not only habits she's picked up from Anakin and from the battlefield, but just natural to youth. Uh, fear uh, of, you know, fear and shame of being yeah. caught having lost her lightsaber. Uh, just that feeling of of loss, that uh, guilt and fear that something might uh, happen with the lightsaber somebody might be harmed by it mm. and then she'll be responsible uh though that fear of loss and that personal shame immediately translated into anger in the way she talks to people and handles people and even the this ego of of uh, it feels like part of what her fear is is that if other people realize that she has lost her lightsaber they will think less of her and she doesn't want that you know attack on her ego and uh, and i mean ego really in the not she's full of herself but ego in that way that we all sort of like protect our core of like yeah uh, that line she has where she she says this isn't happening i (laughs) feel that line in my bones right Mm -hmm. of you know that feeling when something has gone wrong in such a way where it's not just you'll be like oh man i'll be in trouble my boss will yell at me i'll get a parking ticket it's that deeper soulful if people find this out, they'll question the validity of me as a human being. <laughs> it's I. Yeah. And she's just so coming I, at it from that yeah. depth of pain. You know, I love it. And, and, and file it into Ken makes weird connections. Bucket number nine. Um, one of my favorite movies is Paul Thomas Anderson's Magnolia and Jim C. Ry- uh, uh, John C. Riley plays uh, officer Jim, uh, a police officer who loses his gun and just has an absolute breakdown. And it absolutely and it's exactly what you're describing. And that's maybe played more serious. This is uh, more whimsical because it's Star Wars, but it's the same connective thread of it isn't just the act. You feel it's you that is lost and, and uh, the, the emotions start to spiral out. And uh, I think it's, it's, it's strongly connected in my mind. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a great connection. And it's a similar thing of, the, you know, that sort of endowed object of a, of a weapon that is a part of your identity and, and is your responsibility. Um, and a lot of great stuff with that. I also mm-hmm. like in, in showing her anger, you know, uh, that moment where Harris mm-hmm. Nube is like, what are you doing when she's just going to straight up uh, punch uh, Bonamu? Uh, mm-hmm. But then he says the thing that we know she hates because it's already happened at least twice in the Clone Wars, if not more times of the, you're too young to be a Jedi. Like, that's a button mm-hmm. for her, right? She doesn't yeah. like being told that she doesn't look like a Jedi or that she is too young or too small. That fear gets set up in the Clone Wars uh, movie. Um, yeah. So I thought that's great that, yep, th- not only is it the the really relatable, I lost this uh, weapon, it, it's going to threaten my identity if I don't have it back. But then here's this uh, fish guy 
just accidentally drilling down to the core of her fear of not being taken seriously and seen for who she is. And she throws him into a wall. Yeah. Uh, so I love that we really saw the what I'm calling like the angst of youth uh, from Ahsoka. And then we get that contrast and it pops more when Terrace Nube is acting out of, you know, knowledge and observation in the the whole uh, big picture. Um, mm-hmm. And I felt like the, the contrast popped in a couple of fun ways uh, throughout the episode, obviously. But I love that the like the second half of the episode, for the most part, is this big chase. You know, mm-hmm. and it's this incredibly cool action, uh, great use of Coruscant in, but it's Ahsoka like literally running after one specific person thing obsessively. Mm-hmm. And it's just such, such a great contrast when she's like, literally I'm running in whatever line that person makes me run. Cause I'm going after that person with the thing that I want. Yeah. And you have that contrast uh, where Tara is just quietly, slowly figuring out the big picture figuring out that things don't add up and what Iona Marcy is telling them, putting the tracker on her. And and even in the music, as you're cutting back and forth, where it's like, you know, the huge, big action of the chase, and they'll cut back to Tara's quietly asking a question. <laughs> you know, and you get that vibe change, you know? it's play- Yeah, and it's played so well. So well for comedy, but uh, you, you and I both are strong believers that uh, comedy is a great way to communicate uh, things of, of, of great purpose. And, and it's uh, used very well here. And, and the ideas of uh, quiet your mind, you're so anxious to find this pickpocket that your worry is equal to his and, and you're clouded there. And, and this big theme of, of emotions clouding your choices, which t- we always, I think we always need to say, it does not mean emotions are bad. And that's not sort of what Star Wars is saying. And the Jedi aren't, though there's some bigger issues with Jedi and emotions. But I think Tara Sanube has been around long enough to know the right way, wrong way to, to kind of break that down. Emotions are clouding your choices, but the information you need is often right in front of you. It's slow down to see it. I'm saying real simple bumper sticker type of things there, but it's so effective in this episode. And it's so effective uh, in, in our real life, even now, even me this week, any stress going on. Gosh, just slow down. Just slow down and that complete awareness will, will find you. Yeah, yeah. I love that you point out that moment uh, where Snoobe tells her to quiet her mind because you can put together what a just a, a great uh, uh, cut scene of all sorts of Jedi telling other Jedi to be patient. Right. But this one right. is different because it's just specifically uh, it's not just that you're moving too fast. It's that your anxiety is greater than the person who should be anxious mm. in this scenario is such a great, uh, great uh, uh, reflection of that combination of it's not just respect uh, uh, the the older and the wiser. It's be aware of the, the angst and the impatience of, of youth. Mm-hmm. Totally. Uh, I think for me, the other big idea that's threaded through this episode is kind of just what is a lightsaber, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, for me, like, like I said about the saber cane, I think that's a part of, Ahsoka moving too fast and, and not seeing Tara Sanube as anything except a frail, slow, old person. Uh, right. But it's, you know, the saber cane itself is this reminder of, you know, not all lightsabers are the same. Not everything is as it appears. Uh, you know, we've got the double-bladed lightsaber from Maul, but at this point in, uh, you know, the Clone Wars, we're going to start to see uh, different things. We're going to start to see the dark saber, but this is a really different lightsaber for uh, you know, on-screen canon at the time, uh, Star Wars. Uh, totally. And uh, now I think uh, more one of my favorites. I've always enjoyed this, and I always know you enjoy it, but um, 
yeah, in terms of lightsabers, just ranking lightsabers has just climbed up the charts. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, because it's, yeah. Anyway, uh, I will it not might be because I need one more. Just <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wait, a cane. Oh, I need, yeah, let me get that. Yeah. I, well, I think I've told you about the time that I was uh, grievously injured doing children's theater. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and, uh, I, it would, it sucked because I, I could not, uh, fully, uh, walk, uh, but I got to have a cane and that part was great. Yeah. <laughs> and if there was yeah. a sword or a lightsaber in it, it would have been even better. There you go. Uh, so the saber cane, I think is just a fun, you know, not everything is as it appears. Yeah. Remember lightsabers are not, uh, all one and the same, but then of course, uh, the thread that's woven through this about the lightsabers that, it specifically uh, recalls Obi-Wan's line to Anakin in Attack of the Clones. And we learn that Anakin has passed that on to Ahsoka of this lightsaber is your life, which is just kind of from some fun Star Wars canon of, you know, master to master handing that to uh, apprentice. Um, but then this episode really, I think, it does this great thing of reversing the logic of that philosophically in it. The lightsaber isn't to say the lightsaber is your life is to say it is an object meant to defend a Jedi's safety, which makes sense when you're a master trying to keep a Padawan safe, that they need to keep their lightsaber handy. But this really just flips it and and says, remember, uh, a lightsaber is not just about a Jedi's safety, but others. It's Mm -hmm. about protecting others, and it's about making sure no one is wounded by your weapon that you did not choose to wound, you know? I love that tag, and and Ahsoka, at the end, jumping to that episode of just, it's life, but beat... It's also your responsibility. That that was a a, a wonderful statement too. A, a lesson learned, and I think that's uh, definitely there. Yeah, and I love that uh, that Tara perceives that in Ahsoka and just yeah. gives her the assignment to puzzle out whether she's responsible if someone is killed with her blade or not. And I think Ahsoka certainly does learn from being around Tara as we go through the episode. Like when he gives her the straightforward, like your anxiety is is masking your ability to sense other people's anxiety. But I feel like the big payoff of the episode is, you know, when she is on the train, she has, you know, caught up uh, with uh, Cassie, the Torellian Django jumper. Uh, And all through this episode, even after she's kind of learned some beats from Tara Sanube, she's got that, you know, Anakin and Ahsoka on a mission, you know, what should we do? How about if we run across the bridge straight into the castle? Like they've got, she's got that. I can fix everything by snarling and acting, you know? And there's this great beat where she just, she stops and she realizes that being assertive and aggressive while Cassie has the hostages is not going to be uh, a, a way forward. And I think to me, that moment is really about that lightsaber of, it's in that moment. It's not about her getting the lightsaber back. It's about the lightsaber as responsibility, and therefore a Jedi as responsibility. And it's, to me, it's just that moment where all those concerns of of youth and ego melt away, and she sees like, oh, it it is. It's my responsibility, not just my weapon. It's not just something that's been taken from me. It's something that I have responsibility for in this larger moral sense. Yeah, it's out there now. It's out there. What a horrible feeling. And uh, and I love to that line. Um, it, it was meta for the episode. Uh, he says uh, it's for you to puzzle out. Right. And I couldn't understand that line. And so I was like, well, let me turn on the uh, 
uh, closed captions. And I couldn't figure that how to work that out on Disney plus. And so here I was old trying to figure out new <laughs> to get the answer <laughs> from the advice from the old guy to the new kid. And I, it was a very funny moment. He finally figured it out. <laughs> I was like, Oh, puzzle. Oh, that's what he said. <laughs> you puzzled out the word puzzle. And Did I you get angry? And I was like, <laughs> gah, 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 gah. I don't want it in Dutch. So, there you go. Lesson learned. Thanks. Star Wars. Uh, remotes are a responsibility, Ken. <laughs> uh, did you figure out how to turn the captions on? Uh, yeah, I can get there. It's one of those things where like, oh, I did it, but I couldn't tell you how. <laughs> uh, you just mash buttons. Just yeah. mash buttons mash. and you'll get there. Uh, any other uh, sort of ideas or themes from this episode before we move on to the how they reflect uh, the bigger story of Star Wars? Oh, let's slide into the big picture. Yeah, all right. Slide into the big picture. We always talk about how the ideas of a specific uh, episode or arc of Clone Wars also reflect the larger storytelling, morality, perspective of Star Wars. What hit you in this episode? So taking everything we talked about, I think this all complete awareness and everything we're talking about, the emotions, and it all goes into these things for me here. Um, seeing all as an ally, and I connect this to one of uh, the moments that we've been talking about a lot recently. I think it's come up. Uh, Leia and Wicked. And Leia looking at this little teddy bear, uh, fearful and providing him a treat. And that gets, uh, it leads to the, the relationship that saves the galaxy. Um, <laughs> it's Leia having some complete awareness in that moment for me and, and how, uh, all of that can, can, uh, you know, is reflected in what you're describing, I think with Ahsoka and, and, and how, you know, it's played when she first, first meets Sanube and it's really funny and it's almost sitcom -y and yeah, well, I'm taking her nap. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, you can almost not, I blame her from the start, but that's the lesson there and almost be seen as an, an ally in the bigger Star Wars picture. And then to me, Sanube also represents a, I guess I'll say a pure form of the Jedi way. Uh, and mm. that's often in debate, but uh, Ahsoka's learning, you know, you mentioned this is one of the first big Ahsoka episodes, uh, solo, solo uh, episodes with her. And, and to me, she's learning what it means to be a Jedi at this point. And yeah, I know where she ends up and whether that, term can describe her we don't know um but it's about what's in her heart and there's a lot about this episode that is not wanting to be a hero but going actually out to be one uh, a little bit of uh yoda wars not make one great or you know luke's looking for a great warrior and there's this little green goblin still in his food and and what's there and and and, and, and there's some connection to me in this one where sunube's kind of giving you the the complete picture uh, he's still a, a, a powerful warrior if he needs to be, but that's not his drive. It's not his purpose. Um, and Ahsoka, there's a little bit out of pure of heart, but also out of uh, anxiety and all the things we're talking about, wants to go be the hero. You described it wonderfully as a straight line, just chasing what is in front of her, not seeing the complete picture. And that's not necessarily what what, what a hero is, at least for the Jedi. So I, I love uh, that. And, there, and a lot of time, episode talks a lot about people's choices, which is obviously big in Star Wars. Yeah, this is all great stuff. Uh, yeah, and I, I love with uh, Ahsoka's energy of, it's my lightsaber, it's forward movement. Uh, whoever I'm encountering is, you know, not somebody who might give me the information. If I ask, there's somebody who's trying to hoodwink me or attack me. And some of that, I think, is is really points to what is it for these Padawans to be raised in a war? Like, mm -hmm. there's the great stuff in the Brain Invaders episode where uh, Ahsoka and Barris are reflecting on the Jedi's involvement in the war. And, and Ahsoka is very much aware that Anakin has all this energy <laughs> mm -hmm. from the war. Uh, but I think this is a great way to reflect like, yeah, of course Ahsoka has her defenses up. She spends most of her time being shot at and trying to keep her clones alive. Right. Uh, yeah. So I think there's just some, some good connective tissue to 
we know that she is a uh, compassionate, thoughtful, resourceful uh, young Padawan. Uh, but it's understandable that she'd be like, of course, everyone I run into is a problem to be bulldozed. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's great for Tara to be able to go like, well, it's, I understand that's probably how you feel being constantly at war, but that's not the yeah. way it always is. Um, so that, that was big for me. I think just Star Wars plays with the idea of balance uh, so much and in so many different ways. And I really liked just the actual motivation from Tara Sanube about why he's going on the mission at all. So, you know, he's just napping. Uh, he c- can help out this Padawan because it is his area of expertise, and he does. And then, you know, he got that great comedy. She's like, great, Gramps, I'm going to run fast now. And he's like, no, I'm going to be slow with you. Uh, great comedy. We'll talk about that. Yeah. But then what he specifically says of why he's there is, I haven't been on assignment in years and if you don't slow down, you're not going to find what you're looking for. So, you know, there is, you know, uh, a version of a story like this where there isn't balance, where it's the elderly person or older person who just wants to show what they know or mm-hmm. thinks that the young person won't do it right. So they're going to come with them. And I love to, to your mm-hmm. point of showing Tara as this balanced, calm Jedi of like, I need to get out and about. I need to, even though I'm older, I need to refresh myself of what it is to be young and to have that responsibility and to be out on an assignment. And I also know from my wisdom that you are too caught up in your emotions and anxiety to actually accomplish what you need to. So you know what, young one? This will be good for both of us. Balance. Uh, excellent, excellent point of kind of, I don't want to say the flip side of some of the stuff we've been talking about, but uh, going to the, you know, an older generation knowing the importance of passing it on, which does uh, factor into the end of this episode. Right. But yeah, you're right. He could have just given the information and, and do it myself. And I, I you know, at times when I fail as either a, a leader or a producer or, or something like that. And in, in my past, it's because I'm like, let me just do it. No one wins, <laughs> no one wins you know? And, and uh, uh, it's just a symbiotic circle of experience and uh, education. So yeah. Love yeah. That. I love that you're saying that because that, that was the other big thing that really spoke to me that, you know, Star Wars is one of the things to me that it is about is storytelling. And it is always in the front of my mind that, you know, Star Wars starts like a fairy tale of, you know, mm-hmm. a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. The, the importance of storytelling and passing on what you have learned is so embedded in it that mm-hmm. I like that it's just explicit in this episode where you know, there's almost this energy where, you know, where Tara's like, well, I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. And there's almost this energy like, you know, he's going to ask Ahsoka to, you know, play weird space bingo with him or something. And she's going to roll her eyes. Right. And it's, yeah. it's so great that he's like, I'm going to ask you to share what you learned and, and pass on what you have learned. And it gives it such a great, uh, fun and, and meaningful ending and it's a, a another moment for you know uh, peaceful, happy Yoda to shine. Of he sees Ahsoka coming in, and like oh, the Padawan has a lesson. And and just in terms of like uh, uh, there's that sort of uh, this great circle of storytelling in Star Wars that this story ends with Ahsoka telling the story of the story we just saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also really connects to things like the Last Jedi, where this is a story of Ahsoka is turning her failure into a success into a a learning opportunity and not being afraid of her failure like she was at the beginning of being unable to share this with anakin uh but now she can share this and what had been 
a fear and a failure has, uh, you know, peace and purpose to it. Emotional cannon alert. Emotional cannon <laughs> alert. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Um, final thing for me is just, you know, going on War Watch, you, uh, mm-hmm. you brought this up of the uh, narrator this yeah. time, the newsreel. Uh, didn't give us a bunch of uh, updates on what the actual state of the war is, but I think really uh, s- uh, repeated one of these really important things to the general story of Star Wars, that war creates the opportunity for crime and that that's what sets up this episode is arms dealers, you know, buying mm-hmm. weapons on the black market and, and selling them uh, to Republic enemies is, you know, it's a great thing to center us on. You know, the lightsaber is also a weapon that is getting into the wrong hands. Uh, But it's also just that reminder that the Clone Wars aren't just the war. They are on purpose from the Sith, a, a, you know, disintegration of the 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 peace and uh, uh, kind of just guardrails of society that the Republic and the Jedi have set up. And they're creating the opportunity for more crime that isn't even about some battle on geonosis yes which goes back to my original point it, it's uh it, it's easy but it's not simple for the criminal underworld i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's great no it's there no jokes aside it is is part of the the bigger picture uh, uh and and the bigger question of uh you know it's sometimes you do need to go to war but uh the unintended or intended consequences need to be looked at as well and that's what's going on in the backdrop here that's right. Uh, even literally, we'll get to that. Uh, but now I think we're going to, yes. unless you have anything else, do you have any other uh, big picture ideas you want to talk about? Oh, no, 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 absolutely. Let's, uh, this is, uh, we could go for a long time on the joys of uh, watching Sanube, but uh, <laughs> we'll get on to some more joys of Sanube in just a moment. We're going to take a quick break. We will be right back. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. 
Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at Jennifer Landa and on TikTok as Jennifer Landa 1138 and we are back to finish our discussion of the clone wars episode lightsaber lost we're gonna talk about action moments ken did you have a favorite action moment or two or three in this episode <laughs> well, I'll get to, you know, taking a nap is an action to me. So, <laughs> that. Uh, look, it's hard not to just say the chase uh, because uh, it's it's pretty darn cool. You mentioned it's a lot of uh, the, you know second half or maybe just all the third act of this little story here. Um, but I, I'll highlight some of the stuff. There's the the initial when the chase kind of begins. The, the slide out of the apartment by uh, Cassie and Ahsoka is pretty cool, and uh, Ahsoka's got some great parkour stuff going on. Um, <laughs> I love that one there as well. That's a good starting point for me. Yeah, I think for me, I wrote that one down too. And I think I really gravitated to it for a couple reasons of uh, it really makes the most of Coruscant, you know, Mm -hmm. that we saw the we saw bits and pieces of this part of Coruscant in Attack the Clones. We've seen bits and pieces in the Clone Wars. But this is 
kind of like the the uh, Zillow Beast episode two of really getting to enjoy yeah. this idea that they live in this huge space art deco city. Uh, and it was just really effective in the way that it was shot because a lot of the episode had been uh, in kind of tight alleys, tight apartments, uh, mm-hmm. shadows. And then suddenly we pull back and see how teeny tiny these characters are compared to how incredibly huge uh, the buildings uh, are in in Coruscant. And I think that made it sort of thrilling of it. It was the scale suddenly changed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Finding more scale and something that's already pretty large. I love that there. Um, good stuff. Good. Yeah. Good use of um, when you're writing, you know, action and everything, you know, it, just good use of surroundings, good use of uh characters in that it's it's a great little sequence yeah so uh for you what other action moments popped out uh i'll say this i think sanube putting a tracking device on uh uh the um oh my gosh which one's her i forget her name uh the owner. uh, the, uh yeah uh i think that's an action <laughs> that was very smart action yes and i love the way he did it because uh i think even the first time i was watching it on the treadmill i missed it my mind was clouded and i was like oh that's right he did put that on there so i like that one there yeah, and I like that he's like, well, I'm going out on an adventure. Better pack up tracking devices. He's just got that on him. He's ready. Yeah, um, yeah a couple others for me um, is kind of a act, a non-action action moment right at the beginning. I really liked setting the tone by Anakin going, wait wait out here, and you just hear the lightsaber and the blasters and then the screaming and the stampede. It's just yeah. like... That's uh, that's what happens when Anakin just, you know, orders a sandwich. Just like, that's that's Anakin. You <laughs> yeah. don't even see it. It's just the chaos, you know? It's, it's such a reminder that this isn't his episode in a, in a, in a fun way. Yes. It's like, you don't even, don't worry about it. He, he just went in there and did what he did. Yeah, you you know what he did. You've seen enough Anakin. You know how that generally tracked, you know? It, I, that was really great. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the full uh, context of what uh, Palpatine actually said yeah. uh, when we talk about uh, canon connections. But just for an action beat, I think I love that Coruscant always has this. Uh, there's always ads, you know, yeah. there's always a reminder that this is, you know, part of what uh, what Coruscant and what the core is, is this, you know, mm. capitalist society similar to ours yeah. uh, and that image of uh Anakin, or not Anakin, Ahsoka sliding down uh, Palpatine's huge propaganda face, and then you know that the image of Palpatine literally disrupting yeah. <laughs> society because it is falling into the traffic in that great shot of uh, those uh, all the air cars zipping at her. Uh, yeah, I, I yeah, I love it. Um, Coruscant's got a lot of uh, just any big city vibe, right? New York and everything. But I, it's it reminds me of just some of the, those wonderful shots. Uh, I've never been to Tokyo, but I just you see Tokyo is just lights and shining and sounds and, and things going on that you maybe uh, just uh, can be overwhelming. And I love every time you're kind of in the middle of it. Yeah, just yeah, absolutely uh, bustling. Everybody's mm-hmm. everybody's on the go. Everybody's got their yeah. own thing. Everybody's got to go go go, which helps with the episode as well. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, the other huge one is that that saber cane uh, reveal. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's it has a lot of fun meaning, but also for talking about action moments, it's just cool the way they do that. That the door opens and he is yeah. uh, looking, you know, a little bit kind of <laughs> uh, up at her, and it's like it's a, a little bit of like, oh, is Tara Sanubi a badass? Uh, mm. It's shot so well, and then the fact that it's uh, the white blade, and uh, this is what I've always loved about it. That yeah, it's it's a the sword cane is a fun thing that you know pops up in 
reality mm-hmm. and in in <laughs> fiction fiction of a specific era you know i've played uh, more than one uh, um call of cthulhu campaign set in the 1920s where some dapper dan has a saber cane yeah, or a, yeah. a, a sword cane uh so the saber cane is cool by itself but i love it even extends the you know don't just judge things by their appearance when you're like oh it reveals a lightsaber so watch out for that well, also remember uh you can just hit you in the head with the cane itself oh yeah <laughs> and for the record i'm a dapper dan man uh yeah i uh i love i uh, love the shot loved it. it it was really well directed and and just everything about uh, that scene you know it's hard to you know, it's easy to overlook anim- animation needing to be directed, but uh, it was a great sequence. Yeah, just the utter economy of it. Of I know exactly what I'm doing. It, mm-hmm. It's even, you know, he, he lets uh, the hostages pass before he does anything. Yep. <laughs> yep. And then he just does the great twist motion and then the clobber with the base, which is just a really great way to get around. Like sometimes when Jedi are like, well, my main weapon is a lightsaber and I need to stop them, but I don't want to cut anything off. And he's like, I got it. Hit him in the head with the yeah, <laughs> I, your cane. Lightsaber cane should be standard just across the part <laughs> there. I think all of them. Everyone should have. really should. Any other action moments for you? Uh, one little one I, I noted down, there's a little moment there where uh, Ahsoka breaks the pipe with the force, sending Cassie falling. And uh, mm. I know, it, it, reminiscent of uh, Vader and Empire Strikes Back or something like that. And not that Ahsoka's dancing with the dark side there, but uh, she's trying to get a job done. But I don't know, there could be more to it. But I, I just love uh, love that little moment. Yeah, I think that's great uh, because I do like it in in uh, in episodes like this where, okay, you can see it where uh, Cassie's managing to stay ahead of Ahsoka, but she still has the Force. So I'm glad that there was a moment there where she did manage to actually use the Force uh, for a momentary advantage. Yeah, totally. Let's move on then to moments of comedy, whimsy, and weirdness. Uh, there were plenty of those for me. <laughs> yeah. What did you go to? What What were some favorite moments for you? Yeah, gosh, there's a lot of little moments here. I'll, I'll start with, um, you know, you and I aren't fans of uh, puns. I, I don't think they're comedy. I think they're party tricks, as I say many times. But uh, Sanubi's little, uh, f- uh, Sanubi's a fishy pun. Uh, like, all right, I'll, I'll allow that. I think that was cute. I think that was funny. Uh, you know what really worked uh, for me on that is that uh, the comedy, to me, is not the pun that he made. It mm-hmm. is Ahsoka trying to pretend to be amused and failing utterly it is her <laughs> disdain it's one of the building blocks of like this the the napping pun guy is gonna help me oh <laughs> uh, I, re- I just relate to it so much i despise punt i just despise them and i anytime i hear them i have to kind of be like hey you did yep you did that that was the <laughs> thing you did uh-huh uh i feel you ahsoka but i love <laughs> right here it works well yeah and i mean puns are great big uh fun conversation and i think this one was uh deployed well yeah. uh on both sides uh, a couple of the sanube ones uh the i was just resting my eyes is i yeah. think just a great sort of let's establish what we're doing that we're doing the he is uh he's older and people mm-hmm. are not uh gonna take him seriously i was just resting my eyes yeah. uh the one that really uh cracked me up is when Ahsoka is being like very technical of like, you know, mm-hmm. it's, he's it's, uh, from uh, he's aquatic species from one of the, the uh, water worlds. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then when uh, Tara finds him, he's, like, he's a petroleum. That's a fish guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the, just to see, I was right. Got it. Did you get it? When I said fishy, 
It's right. <laughs> That's a fish guy. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you about that one in, in particular because I think that is one of those lines, I think, for some fans where, uh, you know, we all know that Admiral Akbar is a is a fish guy, right? I mean, it's, yeah. his species is ca- called Mon Calamari, right? He's an uh, appetizer, yeah. <laughs> so we, we know that. Uh, the action figures, you know, back in the day, walrus man, squid face, you know, not, yeah. not subtle, their animal connection. Yeah. Does it bother you when someone inside Star Wars points out that a species looks like an animal? I I I think there may have been a part of me back in the day that might have. Not that I've never I, I never Star Wars was I didn't want it to always be super serious. I, I wasn't a always a dark and gritty guy, but you know I was a fan of Dark Knight uh, back in the day. So I think I, I I wanted a little bit of that. So this that back in that era, this might have been like eh, I don't know. But I you know with Rift Hampson, I want people to yell at him. You're a shark. Why are you a shark? <laughs> so um, I guess maybe I'm okay. That's a shark guy. That's a shark. Look in the mirror. Look in the water yeah. mirror, Riff Tamsin. You're a shark guy. Yeah, I feel the same way. I think there was probably a moment where I was like, I know I want the realism of the galaxy to be like, but now I just kind of like that. Uh, yeah, aquatic species from mm. water planets exist, uh, but then also so do actual fish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so why wouldn't somebody uh, like Terra Snubay go, Oh yeah, um, yeah. He he's a fish guy. <laughs> a fish guy. Yeah. Uh, speaking of fish guy, I uh, I also wanted to ask you about Bonamu. Uh, mm-hmm. I like his line of "I almost kill myself with that thing." <sighs> Partially just because there's that weird extra noise added, uh, I, but I also like that joke of uh, again something that we've joked about in yeah. reality making its way uh, into Star Wars. Like, yeah, if you're not trained with a lightsaber, they, they are deadly. Well, yeah, no. So I love I love that moment. It's a weird, quirky prequel like character, and and I, I can get for that. But also, one of my other favorite moments was, was when Cassie says uh, she has a lightsaber, and she, could, how does this work? And I'm like, you press the button. Like, can you not figure? I mean, maybe you need to be in, in tune with the weapon. I can expect respect that philosophical conversation there. Maybe even some some logistics. But I was like. You can't you can't figure that one out, like, and then so I, it flashes me uh, to to the, your guy there going uh, looking at you know pointing at his eye going or like a porg on on Octo. Right? Like, well, how does this work? Uh, it's pretty funny lightsaber comedy, I guess works. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it absolutely worked for me. So I was happy to see some good good lightsaber yeah. comedy uh, comedy action. Uh, what are some other uh, lines for you that you enjoyed? So I love this uh, beat uh, when they're uh, when uh, Tara Snube and Ahsoka are uh, out in the streets. They're on they're on the case and they are uh, looking for their looking for their guy. When they go meet uh, the what is it a Quarren there at the uh, little uh, little food stand? Yeah. And I love when Ahsoka. Now look, I, Ahsoka's a, a fully capable uh, um, Jedi, a, a warrior when she needs to be. I, I love Ahsoka, but I love this little moment of um, it's not false bravado, but she's trying to play a street tough. And I love that she's like, hey, we're we're looking to buy a lightsaber. <laughs> it's a really funny, sweet moment for me and uh, love the whole sequence there. Yeah, no, that was great. I really love that. And I love that it felt like uh, that Quarren and his power maybe going to uh, pull out a weapon or fight. And then as soon as they just put a little pressure on them, like, oh, no, sorry. Yeah, we'll give you the information. <laughs> and that Quarren, now now you can connect. It reminds me a lot of uh, Mandalorian season two two episode three right when uh, Bryce Dallas Howard's episode when the, the corn is gonna yeah I'll, I'll take your fishing yeah and he and he's serving a steaming bowl of something that might have yeah. just come out of a pump in the ceiling <laughs> <laughs> look, look. 
a couple others for me. Um, I really love, especially because later in the episode, uh, when Terrence Nube has uh, been resourceful enough to borrow the speeder from the police droid, and he finds uh, Ahsoka, who is despondent, and gets her on the speeder, and then he's just slow driving in the traffic. Yeah. <laughs> and Ahsoka is so upset, and everybody is zipping around him. It's so funny. He's got some classic honking comedy, and it, it's some putty. It's, I think it's puttering along. It's great. It's yep. great. Yep, and there's that hint of, in that beat of like, is he doing that be, for a tactical reason? Like he's being slow other places, or is he this a little bit more that real world comedy? Like, no, I just uh, feel this is the proper speed to be driving. <laughs> Turn indicator going on for three blocks. That would have been great. Um, I also love Sanube, uh dropping that Jedi mind trick like it ain't no thing on the Rodian. <laughs> I don't even know if he needed it, but he just did it because he could. And it seems pretty pretty powerful since the Rodian sticks their whole head out of the window, right? Yeah. It's almost like Sunube was like, oh, I haven't done that in a long time. That was <laughs> you fun. Need to be back in the field, right? Yeah. Uh, the final one for me is uh, at the end there when he's uh, kind of um, uh, trying to playfully chastise Iona and saying, you know, I'm sure you uh, didn't mean to be rude running off like that from your home. And she says, I have nothing to say to you, Jedi. <laughs> And then he almost seems just a little hurt. And he's like, well, perhaps you meant to be a little rude. <laughs> he's, he's a, he's a sassy one. I, one of my, my, my final moment is um, he actually says the line, I see you've learned patience, young one to Ahsoka and the shot on Ahsoka. She has clearly not learned patience in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think this is, this is so great uh, that for me, the, comedy of this episode is really a part of the point we always look at comedy moments because uh, you know comedy is important to star wars i think it's uh, you know from watching any number of interviews it it is truly important to lucas who who, you know really had his uh his hands in the in the dirt uh making these um but this particular episode the comedy isn't just a fun part of the stew it's like one of the main ingredients that it's mm-hmm. it's necessary to show us who Terrace Nube is to uh have a sense of these differences between youth and age uh they're natural and we can learn from them and have fun with them you know yeah no absolutely good good, good one good point excellent let's move on then uh do you have any others no, no, great, great, funny little moments all the way through. I mean, we lacked uh, a battle droid uh, being sad moment, but we'll get those. <laughs> I almost wish that we just cut to one randomly and had nothing to do with anything else. And just like in somewhere else in the galaxy, Grievous is <laughs> kicking a battle droid over a ledge. Yeah. yeah. Why? Uh, let's move on to canon lore connections to other stories. Um, I like that we just had a, a uh, past tense Ahsoka saying I had a bad feeling about him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it, it turned out not to be true. Um, I was really interested in the connection that, you know, Ahsoka doesn't want to confide in Anakin and I, that she lost her saber. And I think that's really relatable, right? Because even though uh, Anakin cares about her and would probably ultimately help her and guide her, uh, he would at first just be, he would yell at her, right? And she would, yeah. she would, and even if he didn't yell at her, if she got Anakin at his most patient, he would sigh and be disappointed in her, right? So yeah. the fact then that she can coincide in Jocasta New and she chooses to go to the library, it seems like not only to, to use the archives and try to find it, but to find somebody she does feel 
comfortable confiding in. I thought that it was great that it was Jocasta New. It builds on the this other episode in the Clone Wars where uh, Ahsoka thinks the library is a slow, boring place to be, and she's put there basically mm. for punishment uh, because she was over aggressive in the field. And that's even building on uh, Ahsoka has learned mm. that the library, the archives are not a boring place, and Jocasta New is not a you know a weird person. She's a person to be trusted. I think it's a, a wonderful connection. Uh, I love it. You're so right. I mean, to the the, the difference now and Acosta's uh, Jacosta, not Acosta. Uh, Jucasta New is uh, is now an ally. So you know some of that complete awareness is there in Ahsoka. She'll she'll get the bigger picture. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I always like seeing Jacosta New. Always one of my favorite parts of Attack of the Clones. Uh, I thought it was just a fun little detail that we saw uh, Brea Tonica, one of the Tonica sisters, yep. on the list of criminals. They're like, oh, they've been up to crime for a good long time. Long time. <laughs> long time. Age, uh, they're, they're uh, criminals who age well. Yeah. Uh, we talked about the Quarren serving the bowl of yes. something, and, because that definitely uh, made me think of Mandalorian. Uh, I, th- I think this might be the first time we're seeing these uh, Coruscant uh, police droids. I could be wrong about that. Mm-hmm. It is hard to keep track of it all. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted to ask you how you felt about the police droids. To me, they... Uh, they have this very different design for Star Wars. They aren't trying to look um, cool in, in any sort of stand. They're not trying to look badass in any way, right? They are connected yeah. a little bit more to the sort of the art deco and yeah. this um, this influence that the Clone Wars really, it, it's hinted at in screen other places, but the Clone Wars is really interested in, in bringing this other genre of early cinema, which is... You know, uh, that sort of silent comedy, 20s, 30s aesthetic mm-hmm. they've got. They're wearing robot versions of the Keystone Cops hats, you know? Yeah. And I was really curious to hear what your opinion of that aesthetic was. I, uh, You are describing the reasons to to love it and to to connect it to the bigger picture. And, and therefore, I, I, I come down on it positively. But I remember, definitely remember it's, uh, seeing it back in the day and, in other, and the other episodes where they're more prominent and not liking it as much for not for any big reason, but I think something to me about um, it's so interesting. And this episode kind of uh, doesn't know if I don't know if it deal, deals with it, but I kind of see that that's the Jedi's job. <laughs> that's, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying, especially back in the day, I was like, well, why do they have the police? Dr- that, that's what the Jedi are supposed to do. Right. Aren't they supposed to go around? But realistically, that's not. Um, so I think I've come around on it in a way. Um, and, 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 I, I, it's something weird. I don't even in um, Mandalorian season one, uh, episode six, right? It's where you you uh, you got uh, Bill Burr and the team breaking everyone out of jail, and you got the security droids of the New Republic. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of those. I don't know. I just want I want humans when I can get or you know aliens as well and corn and whoever um, organics I, you, organic. You want- Thank you, <laughs> fishy men. Um, so I think I have a little bit of Obi Wan in me where I get a little uh, huh, droids. Well, that, I mean, that, I, that, I'd love that you bring that up because that is a great tension of Star Wars is, you know, there's a question mark in the air when you get droids. So sometimes you're going to get like the battle droids, the sort of rigid, you know, characters who don't understand anything or fumble about. Uh, and then you sometimes you're going to get the R2s, you know, who are yeah. intuitive and incredibly on the ball. And like when a droid walks in, you don't know which you're getting. Yeah. And, and, and you know, obviously I love 
droids. I love specific characters. And it, it's just, I always laugh. I just, over the years, I think, I think it was L3 that really put it in my face <laughs> where I'm like, I don't know if I agree. Oh, wait, what does that make me? What do I think about droids? <laughs> um, and so I'm glad you, I'm glad you mentioned it. It's something in, in back in the day uh, when this episode aired or when the Clone Wars was going on that I, I did think about, but I think uh, tying into the aesthetic, I think it's a, a very smart and, 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 and correct observation about why they're there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's certainly the the choice, whether or not it, it works for people. Yeah. And I think when I watch it, it's like, oh, you know, it is a part of the the legacy of the of the prequels of a little bit more silly influence than uh, for what, for lack of a better term, I'll call badass influence. But I, I've right. come to really appreciate the the palette of Star Wars being so much bigger. Yeah. Plus, you know, I saw Robocop back in the day. I don't know if I like the, you know, I don't trust it. Careful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't want these like like we are the police droids. Here are eighty two armaments. Yeah, like, that, twenty. That would be a, apply. Like I don't want that. Yeah, that would be a different. Th- these droids really have the vibe of like uh, we show up at minor traffic accidents. You know. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we are not hunter droids. Uh, I also wanted to ask you about. So Cassie Cryer is mm-hmm. described as a Torellian Django jumper, which was like, oh wow, yeah, that's a that's a cool name. That's a cool title. And I was like, wait a minute. Django is a. <laughs> did you did did you just hear it? Did you just accept Trillian Django jumper, or were you weirded out that it was like uh, uses the name Django? I I paused, um, but then it made me think that did you know Django get away get that name from you know was he his parents were like ah uh, oh, we we met on uh, at a Django jump jumping festival <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. Um, the yeah, way so many uh, kids were named the Charleston, yeah. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the boot scoop boogies. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, um, I, I, yeah, it, it, it didn't give me great pause, but definitely think about it. And uh, Jamie King does a great job voicing her, by the way. You should shut her out. Um, does that. And, and I love the design um, of the character. So, but yeah, yeah, it's one of those, uh, you can't help but think that. Like, that's a conscious decision, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, <laughs> it's it just got a great, you know, I think it's one of those great tip of the iceberg uh, Star Wars storytelling things of, mm-hmm. you know, I, I do like it when the Jedi are not underpowered. And it made sense to me that uh, for somebody to be able to escape Ahsoka, that they are a specific um, species or, um, yeah. you know, profession, that this is exactly what they are good at uh, i thought that was really cool and i just yeah, I, yeah sir go ahead no i just got that information across in a really quick easy way love it i also just unfortunately went down a trillion django jumper wormhole uh the eighth brother uh, uh the inquisitors he's a trillion django jumper oh um, good for him that's great yeah <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna back out here i'm gonna end up going down it <laughs> oh what yeah oh interesting yeah I, I oh yeah there we go eighth brother this is the uh, first appearance of them is this episode. Yeah, Trillian Django Jumper. All right. Okay. Well, I, I look forward to seeing those connections when I rewatch those uh, that episode. Yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, the, the last big canon thing to discuss is this Palpatine speech. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember previous times of watching this really enjoying just the image, uh, the idea yeah. of this image that, Ahsoka and the galaxy have no idea that, you know, every time that this guy is on screen, he is 
is, you know, whispering poison in people's yeah. ears. And I always just kind of uh, appreciated that. And and that idea of he's just like he's omnipresent. You can't get away from him. Yeah. Uh, but this is the first time I watch the episodes uh, with the closed caption. So I, I can, you know, uh, quickly and easily write down things like Trillian Django Jumper. <laughs> oh, you figured it out. OK, OK. You got the rule. I didn't. I don't mean to rub it in. <laughs> uh, there were some adventures and there was a, there were some naughty words uh, back in the day before I figured it out. Uh, but yeah, so I always watch it with the uh, captions on and uh, it was the, the actual, what he's actually saying, the volume is relatively low and it's easy to just be caught up in, you know, yeah. is Ahsoka going to fall? Is she going to get hit by the cars? Uh, but it was so great. I took uh, all this time to write down everything uh, that he said, Great. and then I saw that uh, that uh, Filoni's behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> is all about this speech. Yeah. Uh, so that's great. Um, do you mind if I just read uh, what he actually says? I, I would love it. I, I think it's uh, a big part of the uh, a, a small part of the of this episode, but a big one. Yeah. So here's what we get to hear Palpatine saying broadcast out to. All of Coruscant. Uh, I would imagine it is a either a a planned speech or maybe he is in the Senate. Uh, he is saying, "I have no doubt that the Jedi are doing their very best to ensure the safety of every citizen in the Republic." The accusation that the Jedi created the Clone War to give themselves more power over the government is absurd, and I will not stand for it. And then we cut away, and he is finishing something, saying something else. Uh, by ending uh, Count Dooku and his droid army. To support the Jedi's efforts in the war, I ask the Senate to pass these new laws, giving more jurisdiction, and then dot, dot, dot. We don't know what he says uh, next, but uh, the little bit he says says a lot. Ken, uh, how did this uh, impact you? Did you go back and, and mm. listen to to pick all these details out? Yeah, that, and then uh, you, you never know what you're going to get with the Filoni featurette, like you, you've been saying, too, or sometimes it's silliness, and other times it's real important, and this is one of those ones that really just kind of confirmed it, and I'm glad you wrote that down, and uh, look, it just, it's, I got to say this carefully, it's part of Palpatine's genius, <laughs> not rooting for this guy, um, but his uh, speech by defending the Jedi, uh, claim they're not starting the war, it, and, and then by Revenge of the Sith, he's, He's using that knowledge that's that's been out there. You know, it, it's misinformation, and we we talk often. We're we're in a real world age of misinformation. So for him uh, to use that, it, it's truly him being the Phantom Menace. It connects to everything. It's it's a set a small moment, but the fact that it's not wasted, and that uh, Dave talked about that in that featurette of just like, no, if we're going to do this, let's let's make sure it, it it moves that part of the story forward. And so it's a reminder that the big picture is always going on in these episodes. Yeah, I, it, it was great. I didn't know uh, until I wrote all this down, was excited to talk about it, and then I watched that featurette, and it was great to hear that, you know, that Filoni really yeah. uh, chose to put this in, uh, went about writing it himself, and it's a good reminder of me appreciating, which I, you know, didn't really know for some of the time that I first watched Clone Wars, how much uh, Filoni was just sort of an all-in, <laughs> yeah, uh, do cosplay to go see the movie, all-in prequel fan, yeah, who really got the big picture story, understood the complexity and the nuance and the richness of the big picture story. And then is on both, he is both, you know, one of the creators at this point uh, and also still a fan going, look, that's what these movies are about. I'm supporting these big picture ideas in these little ways is really, really cool. Absolutely. It's just, yeah, it's really effective. 
Yeah. And then I guess for me, just to, to briefly address, you know, what is actually going on here? Uh, I was so jazzed even before I heard him talking about it because this supports some of the things that I'm really interested in keeping tabs on as we discuss mm-hmm. the Clone Wars. You know, there's yeah. uh, there can be so many great and fun fan discussions about, you know, well, are, were the were the Jedi right to be in the war? Did the Separatists have a point you know what was the republic really evil all these things of like there's just you always have to pull back on all those conversations and go it was all manipulated by darth sidious with uh lies and anger and greed for his own end Mm -hmm. and this is one of those beats that just very very concrete reminder of that uh and then what you're saying about the phantom menace this idea that this is even more subtle uh misinformation than some of the misinformation that we have in the yeah. real world right now where just you know it lies or things with absolutely no evidence are being pumped out into the world and he is setting the seeds for like look i am introducing this idea allegedly some people think the jedi are taking over want to take over uh but i am of course against that so he gives himself even more validity when he's like you know what? I was wrong. These alleged people who allegedly whispered this thing, turns out they were right. Uh, And then the other big thing for me is it is there in Revenge of the Sith, but it it can be easy to overlook that a big part of this story, a big part of how Palpatine manipulates the Jedi is they don't want power. They want to, they have the power that they have as Jedi, and they want to use that in a selfless way. They don't want to take more power. They don't want to be in charge of the government. And that is one of the things that holds them back from finding Palpatine. You know, yeah. and Palpatine gets a really uh, push on that nerve of even before they know that I'm a Sith, mm. I'm going to keep making the government a little worse and it's going to tie them in knots because they know that they should stop that. But to do that risks this great important thing to them to not grab for more power. So the fact that it's not just a manipulation to set him up, it is absolutely finding this incredible sore spot for the Jedi in just twisting and twisting the knife. Yeah, well said. You'd almost expect him to be uh, at one point saying like, the Jedi, you know, they don't want power. I, I mean, I, I think it's weird they're generals. I, I understand. They don't want, they don't want you know, that just starts, to, starts you doubting what you think, you you know, I guess. Yep. Yep. And uh, as Filoni says in the behind the scenes, such uh, great support to uh, the manipulation that uh, Palpatine does of Anakin in the opera box in uh, Revenge of the Sith. You know, had such a great conversation uh, breaking that scene down. And, and it is so important that that's where his argument starts is, of yeah. course, the Jedi want want power. They're no different than the Sith. And it is and it's that's a lie, <laughs> you know? And, yeah. If the Jedi were okay with grabbing power more, they might have been able to stop him, but they don't want more power. Liar. Uh, All right. Anything else on that that you wanted to discuss? Uh, None of that. One other little connection here that I I did want to talk about um, uh, is I love it. There's a little thing of Ahsoka getting a bit of that uh, ground level knowledge on uh, the planet ahead of season seven. Mm. it's, it's, It's probably prevalent through a lot of episodes, but this one, it really stood out to me. And also this moment where she sees the, the rescued uh, Twi'leks uh, kind of hold and just kind of the, that's why we do what we do type of vibe that she kind of sees there. 
and I, and I love kind of connecting that all up and, 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 and looking towards uh, what's coming with her in season five and six and seven. Um, oh, that's a great yeah. connection. Yeah. Cause it, it's, these are just people trying to get from point A to point B on the train going about their life. Yeah. 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 And everything coming with Trace, Trace and Rafa and just uh, kind of, you know, not that she has intimate knowledge of everything to do, but even, even going when she, you know, uh, leads a Jedi order and, and, and runs an adventurous and everything just kind of being down here. She's going to spend some time, some quality time down in these parts. of <laughs> This is one of the first big introductions to it. Yeah, that's absolutely great. Um, anything that you disliked or questioned in this episode? I mean, uh, no, 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 uh, no, um, no, <laughs> one. I'm telling you, uh, we're, we're going to get to Rift Hampson and we'll talk about it. We'll, we'll also see what, where, where I am and I, now in my life when I get to those episodes. I don't know if I'm in the same spot I was in 2010. So Yeah, you might love Shark Guys. He's a shark guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think when I first saw the episode, you know, I loved it. And I wasn't sure about Ioni's design as definitely kind of mm-hmm. leaning into that sort of a, that long stretched out figure that we get a lot of in the prequel era. But at this point, I've just so accepted that that is a part of the design aesthetic of yeah. the of the prequel era. And now all of Star Wars, those kind of characters pop up all the time that uh, mm-hmm. I actually like uh, the weird side blinking eyes. Uh, it's yeah. really fun and weird. Totally. Uh, is there anything that we have not talked about that you wanted to touch on? Uh, no, definitely got to the Palpatine of it all. I love the little connections, the pass on what you've learned, the lightsaber is your, is your life. And and you mentioned Filoni just being such a, a prequelist. We need to get him one of the, the T-shirts that are still out there on T-Bowman. <laughs> um, I, I just love, um, again, we talked about it a lot, but just these episodes are just a couple years after Revenge of the Sith and... Uh, the conversation around the prequels was uh, not the same that it is now. Not that it's always uh, warm and fuzzy nowadays. And I just love that this is uh, this is connecting a lot of the big Star Wars things uh, to those movies in, in an era where people weren't sure about them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and and it does a great job of that. Uh, two little things for me. Uh, I was entertained that uh, we're watching it in the chronological order. So that means some of the fun images that we saw in the newsreel intro of uh, Aura Singh and Cad Bane uh, technically haven't happened yet in our chronological yeah. viewing. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so that was like a, a force uh, flash of the future for us. Um, and then I just wanted to shout out the voice actor who portrayed uh, Tara Sanube. Uh, really great job, Gregory Baldwin. Uh, he has had, a, looks like he had a long career in theater, which makes mm. sense with such a, a resonant and malleable voice. Uh He's been in a bunch of different shows and video games, including uh, Avatar and Bioshock. He played uh, the main villain in the first Bioshock, which has one of the iconic lines of video games to me. Um, and then he also, strangely, he was in Hail Caesar with young Han Solo. <laughs> Alden oh, Aaron, right? Yeah. So good job. Good job. I'm Next time I watch Hail Caesar, I will watch out for uh, Tara Sanube. Moving on to uh, one of our final questions here. If you could have an action figure of any character from this episode, yeah. who do you want? So there is a Tara Sanube, right? We know that. Uh, I am double checking. I don't think there is. Is there not a Tara Sanube figure? I thought there was. Be- I don't. I, I'm Googling and I am not seeing. And they, by this point, uh, all of my various algorithms are incredibly used to me Googling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, any character name action that's, figure that's just a tragedy if there isn't so i guess i guess that's what we need yeah i'm seeing most of them as customs yeah i think they're yeah. customs 
That's so, silly. Right? Yeah. Other like, randos show up. <laughs> yeah. Taking out my anger. <laughs> I, I swore we uh, had uh, had a conversation about that figure. but So it ju- it's just got to be that. But I was even going to break it down into uh, um, a playset with a speeder. One of the ones that you kind of pull back and it zips across your kitchen floor, but this one just zips and just do 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 just takes its time getting across. Oh, I really love that. I think uh, Terrace and Ube is is for sure uh, the action figure I need. Uh, mm-hmm. I would take just a great solid Terrace and Ube from this episode uh, with mm-hmm. Saber Kane. Uh, but what I really want is they sometimes do those evolution of packs. I want. An evolution of Terrace Nube pack. I want to see him uh, when he is a young Padawan and then in his uh, full uh, Jedi Knight days, uh, maybe yeah. in some High Republic gear. Uh, I want like seven action figures. I want to see him in a uh, in, uh, Jedi cold environment uh, outfit, <laughs> Jedi yeah. training outfit. Uh, just give me all the Terrace Nubes. All the Terrace Nubes. And yeah, we need to be able to get that Saber Cane over at Galaxy's Edge. I mean, they just, <laughs> there's a lot going on. A lot not that we need. There's a lot that we need and a lot that we want. Uh, one of the things that uh, we need and want and are excited for is to watch these next episodes of The Clone Wars. Uh, next up, we are going to be talking uh, Season 2, Episodes 12, 13, and 14. That is the great big Mandalore arc and the introduction of Satine. Those episodes I'm really happy uh, to revisit. But, man, it's going to be even more fun and different to revisit them now in the context of The Mandalorian Show, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ooh, that's big stuff. I better uh, clear a Sunday afternoon and grab a notepad. (laughs) Yes, that is right. Uh, We will will take it slow like Terrence and Ube. Uh, Ken, what should the moral of this episode of our podcast be? Well, to have a finely tuned, well-oiled Star Wars podcast, all it takes is an entire lifetime of being a Star Wars fan. That's all it takes. <laughs> However long that lifetime is, yes, an entire matter. lifetime. <laughs> dump all of it into it. Yeah. Uh, that is a great moral. Do you want to tell people where they can find us? Uh, absolutely. We are the Force Center podcast feed. This is the Clone Wars Report on that feed, and we are on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. You can like our Facebook page at Force Center Podcast. We have merch, including our prequelist t-shirt uh, design. Uh, it is on there at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. You can also get an audiobook on us by going to audibletrial.com slash Force Center. Try one out, support the show, and you can support us directly at patreon.com slash center. You can follow me at Ken Napsock. Go to my website, kennapsock.com to find all the things I do, including uh, hang out with the, the good folks over at the Good People Association at the gpa.fun. Joseph, what do you got? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can check out my website, josephscrimshaw.com, for all my other comedy adventures. i got some comedy albums on there, links to my other podcast, Obsessed. Uh, I know that we've got some overlap of Star Wars fans and MCU fans. Uh, this week, uh, the episode of my podcast, Obsessed, is my wife and I truly obsessing over WandaVision. So if you're interested in that, you can check that out. Link on my website, josephscrimshaw.com. But for now, uh, for myself, for Ken, for all the fish guys out there, and of course, for Terrace Anube, this has been the Clone Wars Report.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.